listens to the podcast, I normally do a pre-recorded intro. I'm going to try doing just a intro with the person here, even though it makes me uncomfortable to do intros when the person is listening. But uh, my guest today is Amy Miller. She's a wonderful comedian and she's been on so many great things. You just had a special, right? Come out? Yes, on Epics, if you have that. If you don't have it, go to your grandmother's house. She probably has it on her Roku device. (laughs) (laughs) Most importantly, I think, than any credits, is that you're a wonderful human being, from what I know. That's very nice. Thank you. Uh, and you make Spread me laugh word, a lot. Julia. Yeah. And you make me laugh a lot. You're very smart. And uh, yeah, such a delight. And I'm so glad you're on the, the podcast. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the listeners should know that I can see Julia, but she can't see me. So it's yes. really fun. Yes. So for, <laughs> yes. So usually how, you know, a little inside scoop on the biz, uh, how I record a remote podcast is I can see my guests on the computer. I don't record the video because why put that pressure on anybody. Uh, but, uh, you know, and no offense to anyone who does record video of the podcast, it's just not my jam. Um, and so we do video, but I just record the audio, but for some reason, Amy can see me. I can't see her. I'm looking at a blue screen and I'm watching myself talk, which is so uncomfortable. (laughs) You can turn it off. I like seeing you, but I'll just leave it. It's fine. You want me to close my eyes? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I want you to put on a blindfold like you're on some cheesy dating show and feel around the room. Um, so you, uh, I mean, I just want to get right into it because the thing that you were going to talk about on the podcast is something, I mean, the to- it's about crying and I crying is one of my, f- my favorite, I don't know if it's my favorite thing to do, but I do it a lot. So uh, yeah, uh, are you a big crier? Yeah, more and more lately. I mean, definitely a lot over the last year, but I've found myself more often like planning it. Like, uh, like I watched a movie last night. I'm house sitting right now, by the way. It's not my chihuahua. There's three dogs. Um, and so because I was house sitting, um, uh, my boyfriend is not so dramatic that he will like sit down and watch a, a really sad film on purpose. Mm-hmm. Then I watch them here, you know, while I have like my alone time to just weep. And so I watched this movie called Supernova with Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci as husbands, which oh, I mean, praise okay. God, we've been we've been wanting this. Um, I mean, like cast queer actors to play queer roles. Yes. But if you're not doing that, cast Stanley Tucci and Colin Firth. Um And it was so sad. And I was like full on like heaving, weeping. And it was it was very, very cathartic. It was a great movie. But like I know myself and I know that I planned that. I know that I did that on purpose, which might sound crazy, but I think it's something that a lot of us do. Well, yeah, I mean, I not to quote my own stand up, but I do a joke about how like crying is like taking a shit out of your face. And I I really do think getting constipated with tears it, like I feel it when I haven't cried in a, in enough time. Um, like I, I I'm like oh man, like something's got to release soon. And mm-hmm. so I'm with you. Like whether it's like a movie or a song or there's certain friends that I know. If we talk for over 20 minutes, we'll get to a topic mm-hmm. that'll make us really emote. Um, yeah, and it's not always the actual horrors and constant sadness of life that will trigger it because those things can be very overwhelming. You know what I mean? Especially over this past year, it's like, why I don't, I haven't cried every, it's like, it just, you sort of settle into the despair at some point. And so you need something that kind of triggers that. And mm-hmm. like turns the faucet on, basically. Yes, turns the faucet. <laughs> I've cried quite a bit this year, both from you know watching the news, but then also joy because I had a, a baby. Yes, that's so beautiful. And I've had a lot of moments where I'm like watching her just exist, and I get mm-hmm. very. It's not like a full on like <gasps> you know like that kind of breathy cry. It's more like a single tear. I, I was chopping onions like, yeah. oh my God, this precious, like, look how simple life is for them and the joy they find in like touching their own feet, you know? And Right. And I've and, heard from new moms that, that that can also be a bittersweet cry. That it's, yes. I think, you know, every happy cry is still a version of sadness in some way because you're mm. overwhelmed by joy knowing her and that she's here now and she's yours and you found each other. 
but also that like she's gonna get older you know oh yeah and 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 confront the horrors of of the world (laughs) yeah and things won't be so simple and i think that's all i think every happy cry kind of has that behind it like you're you're always mourning that that moment will be over or you know or that you didn't have it before I don't know, but I'm, oh. you know, I'm very melodramatic. No, 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 no. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what you just said. Do you mean like I didn't have it before myself? You mean like if you, I've heard this from friends who just had babies that sometimes they get overwhelmed with the sadness of thinking about, oh, I lived all these years without you though. And that makes me want to cry. And now you're here and it feels so normal. Like you should have always been here because you're my kid. You know what I mean? Oh, no, I have. I, I, Maybe I also have dramatic friends. No, I, I can. I thought what I thought you meant because I don't so much feel that. I have had moments where, gosh, I hate to even say, I don't think this, I don't really want to use this word, but I can't think of any other word, like a little bit of jealousy. <laughs> where I'm like, oh, I wish I had the simplicity of a baby, right? Like, I wish that I could be clean slate you know, like start all over again. <laughs> I think that's very real. Yeah. Uh, I, I am pitching a movie called trading places with my baby. Uh, no, <laughs> but uh, you just got to nip that in the bud before, you know, she's like 16 years old and you're yeah. like just jealous of her, you know, young body or whatever. <laughs> that <laughs> is, you're not going to do that, but that is a real crazy mom thing where it's oh, like yeah. moms who compete emotionally with their daughters and it's like, what are you doing? Oh yeah, moms have TikTok, TikTok accounts with their kids and they're like, look at us, we're both sexy dancing. And I'm like, <laughs> just put away your phones, everyone. Just yep. let's, let's spend not. time with each other. Yeah. So do you feel like, because um, you know, you said you're you're crying because uh, you're, you're dog sitting without your boyfriend. Do you feel sort of conscious about how much you cry in front of your partner? Um, I don't think so anymore. I mean, we've been together for six years. So mm-hmm. I think, okay, here's my only thing. And I think it's not just with him. It's with a lot of men is that sometimes you just do need to cry. And I think because it's so not normalized for them. Yeah. You know, a nice man will often just want to fix it and be like, what do I do? What do I do? And so then sometimes it's not a satisfying cry because you're like, okay, well now I have to deal with your anxiety. Yeah. Like I have to reel it in a little bit. Yeah. Because now you're worried. And so I have to be like, don't worry. Oh, and I don't need anything. You don't need to fix it. And so then it's like just sometimes easier to do it by yourself, you know, for that reason. Not that I think he's like, judging me or I'm embarrassed, but just it becomes this cycle of like, he's taking care of me, but I'm taking care of him, you know? Yes. Yeah. And also, I mean, it's really cute because my my husband will will sometimes like about, uh, it was like a month ago, I just I just woke up and, and just felt bad, but mm-hmm. I knew that if I cried and vented, it would it would be gone. Like there wasn't, I wasn't scared that I was like falling into a depression. Like it wasn't like a mental health issue. It was just a, I just needed to express. Totally. And, you know, especially during the pandemic, like it's him who usually, unfortunately is, he's the first responder on the scene. And, (laughs) you know, I, I, he was like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. Cause I just didn't feel like explaining what you just said, which is like, I just need to emote. And he's like, no, no, come on. It's fine. And like, I just watched He like listened, but I could see his face wanting to take action. And mm-hmm. I just kept being like, I promise this is going to be over soon. <laughs> like I just, yeah. I would leave the house if I could. I mean, I guess I could have gone for a walk, but then, you know, the neighbors and. <laughs> right, right. Sunglasses. And you want to be able to explain like, it, it would be nice if you could just like sit there and let me get it out. But, but I do think it's, you know, that's hard for anyone who loves you to be like, I don't know why you're sad and I can't do anything to help it. So I just feel lost, you know. Does your uh, boyfriend cry? Like, have you seen him cry before? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, not like every day. I have seen him cry. I mean, he's also, you know, without revealing too much because he's not on this podcast, nor is he really a public person. Um, He, you know, he had a very um, difficult last couple of years with, you know, just certain people in his life being very sick and maybe 
facing losing them. And so I think, yeah, over the last couple years, um, I've seen it more for sure. Um, and I always feel like it's a good thing, you know, I'm like, fucking get it out. I yeah. don't, I don't think he, you know, I mean, no, like men are ever taught that they're allowed to do that. So, and his dad is very sensitive as far as like having that, uh, father figure th that did make it okay. I think he's got the closest to that, but, um, but yeah, I've definitely seen him cry and I hate it to be frank. <laughs> I mean, it makes yeah. me sad, you know, I'm oh, sad yeah. just thinking about it. It makes me sad, but I will say the first time I saw my husband cry, it like it made me sad, but it also made me horny. Hor it did make me a little <laughs> horny and like love him even more because totally. I was like, okay, he's not going to be this because it was like, you know, pretty, I don't know, probably within the first few months of us being together. And I was like, okay, he like understands that this is an option to express emotion and mm. is not going to be someone who like the second they get upset, like punches a wall, you know, like right. that. Yeah. Um, I would say as far as men in my life, that's like definitely closer to my older brother. He's never going to listen to this. Um, <laughs> like, I don't think I've seen my older brother cry maybe once or twice in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And, and having said that he has, I mean, the worry there is like, okay, well, at least if you have children, like don't pass, like let your boys know and your, everybody, it's okay to to cry and, yeah. and he is good about that obviously he doesn't tell his son to fucking man up or whatever uh but yeah i really have i've only seen him cry maybe twice and mm. i i couldn't even tell you what it was about i would love to see my brother just full-on weep at some point yes i feel like my i saw my dad i remember the first time i saw my dad cry was at his father's wake and mm. it was so startling because I think I was maybe 13. So that means, you know, for much of my adolescence, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to guess whether he had or hadn't cried before. I mean, you know, maybe he did privately, but it was, uh, I remember it's like, I remember watching him and I remember like the movie narration going on in my head of like, my father was crying, you know, like it was so <laughs> yeah beautiful and dramatic to me in many ways um and then my mom i mean you know moms cry <laughs> italian mom cry you know what i say uh i well i mean it's sort of against all odds that i show emotion um my uh, i'm the youngest of four siblings my older siblings don't so much get into that my mom i've seen her cry maybe twice uh Wow. Like my family is, they're Okies, you know, and they're mm. like very much swallow any feeling down and never, and just let it destroy you from the inside. Like never show. Wait, Okie any, means Oklahoma? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're like, you know, and, and I'm still guilty of it a lot of the time. Like I, I, I adopted the like expression sort of like. I have this face where people never know if I'm like mad at them or what. And I have to like over exaggerate my smiling. And then they're like, Oh, now you're faking. And I'm like, I call no. it, I call it dust bowl face. Um, and everybody in my family has it. And like, we, they just don't cry. So like when my grandmother died of, uh, uh, about 10 years ago, um, you know, she has eight kids, including my mom and my brother who was very, very close to our grandmother. Um, Nobody cried. Not one person shed a tear aside from like me and the children. Like literally like my eight-year-old cousin wow. was like weeping. Uh, and that was it. Like they were stone, stone cold. And wow. so that's what I come from. So it is really – when I cry in front of my mom, it's very alarming. She's like, oh, what can I cook? Like do you want to eat? Yeah. Are you hungry? <laughs> you know, and that's how she shows love. But yeah, I don't know how I ended up this way, truly. Maybe, did you maybe find a generational thing? Did you find yourself editing it when you were younger, like to try to not cry too much? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is for sure a later in life thing. Even with earlier boyfriends, like I wouldn't show a lot of emotion or cry in front of them. Um, so it's definitely been a change. And frankly, I think one that comedy has contributed to. I mean, at this point, I just don't have many walls up at all. <laughs> like, you I think just, comedy has made you comedy has made you cry. <laughs> yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, weekly. <laughs> um, 
comedy has made me a more open person. And I think, you know, so much of that not showing emotion is just being sort of dominated by shame and embarrassment. I mean, my family operates as if we're all Irish Catholic, but we're not. It's not a Catholic family. It's just it's just a cultural thing um, for whatever reason. So I think once I removed any worry of shame and embarrassment from my life, then I'm like, yeah, I'll fucking cry. Like, who gives a shit? You know? Uh, but it, yeah, it hasn't been the whole time. Yeah. When you said the thing about Italian women, like, I mean, if you ever see an elderly Italian woman, they sound like they're crying. They're always like, hello. Like, they're so performative. Like, it's very, you go to an Italian <clears throat> funeral, it is very. I mean, I don't want to say performative because that makes it sound like it's it's genuine, but it is mm. very expressive and, you know, I mean, almost the opposite. Because I remember when my grandmother died, um, we were like all the cousins were in one room, you know, after the funeral and stuff like that. Like we're all in one, the living room, my grandmother's house and all the aunts and uncles were in the kitchen, like getting food and stuff. And one of my cousins was like really crying hysterically. And I... I mean, no matter what emotion I'm having, I, t I tend to at some point be funny in the middle of it. And sure. some could say it's a coping mechanism. Sure. But it also just, I don't know. It's just how my brain works. Like when I'm mad, I sometimes get really funny when I'm sad. I get really funny. It just yeah. helps me kind of like remind myself that I can get through whatever I'm going through. And so at my grandmother's funeral, I cried plenty at the funeral, but then when we were back at the house, I made... A I think I was doing like an impression of her or something. I had the floor. Let's just say that. Uh, I had the floor. <laughs> I was doing a tie five on my grandma. And one of my cousins who was like weeping was like, I can't believe you're using this time to tell jokes. And she was like, and, and she wasn't wrong for feeling that way. Like if mm -hmm. that's how she copes with death, because death is such a different. There's yeah, it sucks. <laughs> and it's also like there's truly no rules on how to grieve. Um, but I just remember being like, oh, come on. Like, and my thing <laughs> yeah. is like, I've already, you want to see all the tissues in my car? Like I cried enough and now we got to shake it up, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, there's a great line in uh, Steel Magnolias, one of my favorite movies ever, of course, um, after the funeral that someone's like, um, you know, making a joke and laughing at something and then immediately apologizes in, in, in like that way that I think women do a lot of the time. Like, oh, like we just are sorry for any of our emotions yeah. sometimes. Yes. And uh, it's like, oh, so sorry to laugh. And then and Dolly Parton goes, laughter through tears is my favorite emotion. <laughs> <laughs> but also, the speaking of Steel Magnolias, the, the uh, Olympia Dukakis – and Shirley MacLaine in that movie are literally my two of my aunts, my aunt Shirley and my aunt Joanne, like just for sort of a, a sense of what they're like, like they're, you know, they make jokes through tragic things. It's part of how I got a comedic sensibility. Um, but, and they're just tough, you know, you're just like, Oh, you've seen some shit and you're mad, but you are in inseparable. Like, uh, mm. yeah, I love it that movie. Good it's cry movie. It is a good cry movie. Beaches is also, I watched that recently and I was like, oh yeah, this is Still a, works. This is a nice one. I tend to watch a lot of, I mean, I haven't been on a plane in over a year, but I always fucking pick cry movies on planes. Plus you cry easier up there. Do you know that? Yes. Yeah. And I forget what the reason, it has to do something with the altitude, right? The altitude and that I've had four glasses of white wine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you said that comedy has opened the floodgates a bit. I, I understand what you mean by it making you more emotional in touch with your emotions. But what's interesting for me is like, I, I think I was pretty open and emotional before I started doing comedy. And I, it's, it's made me more open as far as like telling stories and expressing, but as far as like the, the sensitive part, I definitely have felt like comedy has forced me to at times act tougher than I am. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always been sort of one of my I don't know, gripes with it. Like, I, I know there's sort of this stereotype that like a lot of comedians want to be musicians. And I understand that because, you know, like I wrote poetry as a kid and there's times where I'm like, oh man, like you can listen to this song and it's like the soundtrack to this emotion and you can mm. cry to the song at a concert. And like, 
I've definitely gotten on stage before and like tried to go a direction with a bit. And then I've realized I haven't told one joke for five minutes and it's just turned into like some sad poetry slam or something, you know, and (laughs) then I have to be like, oh, fuck, that's not comedy. And, and so that it's almost been a little bit like, I don't want to say the opposite, because I I think we're talking about the same thing. But it's like, I, I wish that there was a, I mean, I guess if you do like a a really cool solo show or something, you can let (laughs) people cry. But, you know, I think I, I mean, I've definitely had to get tougher around just sort of the life of comedy and yes, the injustice and chaos of the industry (laughs) yeah um and really because you know like the wild part about what we do which not every musician does i'd say very few um is we are literally selling ourselves you Mm -hmm. know what i mean unless you're like a you know a brent weibach character where where everything you do on stage is like so out there uh that people kind of can't get to know you mm-hmm. you know otherwise you're selling yourself it's like we write pilots about our own story we write jokes about our own lives we go on podcasts like this where we're literally talking about our emotions mm-hmm. all the time um you know we have to be open uh but then and because of that i've had to toughen up as far as like you know not taking things personally if i don't get something I want or if someone doesn't like my comedy, I'm just like, you know, I'm tougher in those ways. But in, in my personal life, I think comedy has had the impact of making me more emotionally open. Like no question. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, when comedy's good, it's good, but when it's bad, it makes you feel (laughs) terrible. I mean, I, I almost feel like, you know, how sometimes lawyers or they'll be like, oh, I really wish I didn't do law and I became a comedian. I think I'm the opposite in which I'm sometimes like, man, I kind of wish I like was a lawyer and not a comedian. So yeah. I didn't feel because I I have to really, even though I, I bring humor to a lot of my feelings, like mm-hmm. if, when I'm angry, I'm sad. I have to also be in the mood. Like I'm definitely somebody, and maybe this makes me extremely unprofessional, but if I'm feeling really sad or feeling whatever, I have canceled shows because I can't fake it. Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's very real. I, um, I don't know that I've canceled shows. I mean, maybe it was a bad idea to go ahead and do yeah. them, but I've definitely been in a mood where I, yeah, I mean, the audience is seeing exactly what I'm feeling. Like it's yes. coming out in my jokes and you hope, you know, a lot of those times just being on stage kind of fixes the feeling itself. Yes. You know what I mean? And you yeah. just feel better. Um, but sometimes you, you don't. And then it's just so you can tell in the laughter that they're like sensing something. I mean, yeah. especially if you do comedy, that's very autobiographical. And like, it's me, you know, like the way that I talk on stage is sort of the way that I talk in real life. And like, um, yeah, that can definitely come across. I don't know if you're setting me up for my story. Oh, I mean, but I'm really is- like, I, did, I almost, to be honest, I was so into talking about crying frequencies and I was like, damn, I think I'm due that I know this is perfect setup. I didn't even realize I was doing that. Do you want to cry on this podcast? And it'll be even fun because I can see you and you can't see me. <laughs> like it just, nah. you want me to talk about sad stuff? No, I think I'm okay. Um, <laughs> I, ha- I did have a guest cry. I've had... Two guests tell me off pod that they almost cried. And then I have I had a recent guest actually cry in the pod. And there was a part of me that was like happy because I'm like, oh yeah, like we got that deep. So so Good. crying, uh, this podcast can induce tears. And I hope that they are therapeutic and uh not because I'm hurting your ears uh with my voice. Um <laughs> which god editing your own i i've my laughter i mean i sound like an en- a car engine starting and i do it like really hard into the mic and i'm trying to be more conscious of it but whatever oh yeah i sound like a toddler boy child <laughs> um <laughs> you Wait. know this just got me thinking oh go ahead oh no you go ahead um something i think that uh my boyfriend and i have in common that we do is sometimes almost i can get more emotional about 
a hypothetical. This is that kind of, I guess, bittersweet crying that we were talking about earlier with your baby where um, we both can get into this mood of like picturing a terrible thing happening for no reason, but just like, you know, your worst fear (laughs) and then Mm. crying about that more than like things that are right in front of us that actually just happened and our true tragedies that are real. Um, Wow. Which is really interesting. So we were, we were watching um, Daylight starring Sylvester, (laughs) Sylvester Stallone's. Uh Cool. I'm someone's mom now. Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) (laughs) And there was just a moment where, you know, if you haven't seen Daylight starring Sylvester Stallone, check it out. Um, I think we paid $4 on Amazon for it, which is embarrassing, but they're stuck in the Holland Tunnel. It's pre-9-11 when people are still making movies about scary disasters in New York and thought that would be fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're like, what if <laughs> um, terrorists blew up the Holland Tunnel? Oh, scary. Oh, um, so what if a disease kept out everyone the- home for a year? <laughs> Yeah, outbreak. Exactly. <laughs> um, so there is a moment where there's like a couple, and basically, like a husband has to like leave the wife behind in the tunnel in order to like save himself and everyone else. I mean, she's she's dead. This is a spoiler. She has already passed away. So he wasn't just like bye, but he had to like leave her body there. Yeah. And, um, and then I noticed Adam getting a little choked up. It's not like he we- he totally wept, but he was like. Oh, I just like the thought of like leaving you like made me really sad. <laughs> and we both do that, like especially with movies and TV shows. Like I'm like, oh, God, if this happened, I just don't know what I would do. Like I can cry from that more easily than like mm. things that are really happening, which is cute, too. I'm like, I'm like, Adam, if we get stuck in the hall and tunnel because terrorists blew it up. And I've already died. You can leave my body there. Like, it's okay. (laughs) Oh, Oh, tender. It is very tender. Well, so you, so crying in public, I think is probably my main jam. Um, That is like, Mm -hmm. one of the things I miss about living in New York is all the people you'd see crying in public. Um, Yes. You know, and public breakups, which that's a whole other episode. But I, I have definitely, with great certainty, have cried in every single public park south of, like Central Park and South, um, and most of Brooklyn. And uh, it was, it's definitely like New York. I, I almost miss that about New York because. New York's just a great place to be depressed. Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of like, you know, looking out the subway window with like my hand kind of, you know, like caressing the window and crying while I'm listening to my my headphones. Touching and, the subway. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Then that <laughs> would make me cry even more. But I I cried. I also wasn't medicated in New York for much of it. So that also induced a lot of tears. But, but in LA, it's kind of been, you know, it's not as, I mean, I've definitely cried in my car. I've cried many times oh, so driving. Um, and I've cried in my hammock, which is like a real oxymoron of like, I'm living the life, but I'm also mm-hmm. like dying inside. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I used to cry in my swimming pool all the yeah. time when we had a pool. Yeah. <laughs> but I sort of miss that. Pub- like, I don't not that I want to see people crying, but there is something. Gosh, I don't know. Like, I, I guess it's maybe more it's- satisfying in New York because it's anonymous and nobody will fucking bother you. you yeah, can't no one- get. I don't. I don't like to cry in public anywhere, but there really because I don't want to open the door for someone to talk yes. to me or be yeah. like, "Are you okay?" Actually, I'm lying. I cried twice, oddly, at Go Get Em Tiger, which is a coffee shop in Los Feliz. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think I was sitting at the same table both times. And one <laughs> of the times, one of the times was I was with a friend and we were just like uh, talking about depression and whatnot. And then the other time I was with my husband and I had just gotten back from uh, volunteering at a, a women's homeless facility and I was crying about like wishing I could have, you know, I was just 
it was it was emotional to see the people. Yeah. And he goes, he's like, hey, uh, I don't want to like shut you off, but it does look like I yelled at you or something because it's like the guy, he's like eating his sandwich and I was just <laughs> weeping at the table. And it looked like we got into a couple fight. I'm like, I'm crying about the homeless, you know? And he <laughs> was like, this scene doesn't look good. But um, but you cried. Well, where's what? Well, I, I do know one of the public places you cried if you want to get into that. But are there other public places that you've like... Really, uh, I mean, yeah, bars and restaurants. Mm-hmm. I, um, this is embarrassing, but I wept very, very hard at a bar in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, watching the final Letterman show. Great, so hard that I was there initially with Shane Torres and Rahul Perez, and they both left. They were embarrassed. Those are Canadians uh, they, for anyone listening. They <laughs> did not want to be near me. <laughs> I mean, I was like heaving, weeping, and it was a combination of things. Like, you know, Letterman was just a big part of my life, but it also was like, oh, I'll never do that show, and I didn't have a lot of control over it. I mean, I was probably two years into comedy at that point. Like, I wasn't going to do Letterman. I mean, everybody knows Eddie Brill hates women. Um, <laughs> but I just was so overwhelmed, and they left me. So, yeah, I've, I've cried in, like, coffee shops, bars. I will say, like, as a waitress, I saw a lot of people weep. And sometimes mm. I'd be like, if you think you're getting a discount, you're fucking crazy. Um, uh, my friend, my best friend, Nana, and I were waitresses together for many years. That's how we got to be best friends. And, like, I'll never forget, we saw this guy alone crying at a table. And then he ordered, like, a piece of cake. And oh. then... We were like, yeah, sure. And she's like so cold-hearted towards men's emotions. And she was just like – well, also we were busy. You know what I mean? We didn't have time for his shit. And then he asked for one candle. And then he was like, it's my birthday. And then he was like, will you guys sing to me? And we were like, we have so many tables right now. Oh, my God. (laughs) I saw – I've seen a lot of public breakups at restaurants as a waitress. And it's always really interesting. Yeah, like trying to figure out, you know, what's going on. I had, um, I had a, I, I, one of the most tender moments I had with a stranger was, I don't know, eight years ago, I was at like the post office in my sister's hometown in the burbs of Boston. And I asked the the woman behind the counter, you know, she's like, how are you? I'm like, good. How are you? You know, like just pleasantries. Mm-hmm. She's like, not so good. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, it's my birthday. And I was like, oh, oh happy birthday. She goes, yeah, usually my son would take me to margaritas which is this mexican restaurant in the suburbs she's like my my son would take me to margaritas for my birthday you know ever since my husband left me but uh not this year he can't he can't make it back and i was like oh and like we just sort of like i just kind of like law like stood there like i didn't know what to do i think about her all the time like (laughs) i you did the right thing she just needed to tell someone she did need to tell someone her eyes got a little watery my eyes got a little watery i bought my stamps and i left um and i didn't know (laughs) and if she's listening martha i will buy you that margarita um (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm never sure when i see a woman alone crying in public if because if that were me i would not want to be bothered and so i'm never really sure like you know, I will just sometimes make eye contact or be like, mm-hmm. everything okay, but try to make it clear that I'm not going to bother them, you yeah. know? Um, and then it's it's like about 50-50 whether people want to talk about it or not. I mean, a lot of people don't even respond. But I'm always like, also, especially with women, I'm like, I want to make sure you're all right. Um, yeah, and safe and whatnot, of course. I've approached a lot of crying children. I've returned a lot of children to their moms. Um yeah, for whatever reason, I, I think, like, lost children always find me. And then there was, like, one little girl in Target that I did fully, like, help her find her mom in the store. And then she got to her mom and she was like, that lady's been following me and I'm scared. And I was like, <gasps> excuse me? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so, I don't – it's like the – and if it's crying or if it's a lost kid, whatever it is, like – dealing with people strangers in public is always 50 50 satisfying and helpful versus a nightmare so a lot of the time i'm just like uh i mean i think i'm a new yorker in spirit that i'm just like maybe i should just not ever interact with anybody um which has been really nice about the pandemic that you just really don't have to deal with anyone 
And let me tell you this, crying in public under a mask and sunglasses, nobody knows. So hard. I've done it so many times. I did it. Yep, I've done it too, but the glasses get all foggy. And um, (laughs) Well, the story that you were going to – one of the stories you were going to share – I mean, I'll just let you share it if you want to about – Yes. There's (laughs) one time I cried on stage, and I have mixed feelings about it. I think – uh okay well I mean I'll tell you the story because it, I do I do have a level of embarrassment just at just like I don't know the lack of professionalism <laughs> I guess I or mean, that people, the- people cry at work all the time <laughs> exactly yeah you're so right I that's really helpful like I was at work yeah um, I've cried in a cubicle I mean I tried to train myself out of ever crying at work because I worked in tech for so long and then I worked in the mm. music industry and it only hurts you as a woman to be like I'm crying at work because nothing is fair and you guys mm-hmm. pay me one tenth of this guy who does nothing um you know good thing I got into comedy because that's all yeah. different um <laughs> so I was at the punchline in San Francisco which is like truly my home club it's the first club that ever passed me it's I mean it's the punchline like <laughs> what do I need to say it's the best um I'm close with the staff. I like dated a former manager. You know, the servers and bartenders are my family. Like, basically, I feel totally at home there, which is probably why this happened there. Because I was just got too comfortable. You don't want to get too comfortable at a club. Yeah. (laughs) Then you end up crying on stage. But so I, I was hoping for this man, Will Durst, who's kind of a Bay Area legend. He's a political comedian. He's a great guy, um, but he is like, if you're coming to see Will Durst in 2017, you know, you're getting almost a full hour of Trump jokes. And so, like, you know, you know, and he's like a public radio person. And so his crowd is a little bit older. And so what the booker kind of does in that situation is she's like, well, yes, Will's very funny, but that's a specific thing. We, but he's not a sellout act. So then we also have these people who are, are just comedy fans and they were like, we're just going to the punchline on Saturday night. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. always those people in the club um, and they got a Groupon or they got a gold star, whatever. And so to sort of balance the night, then she books, you know, two younger comics who don't do a lot of political stuff. So there's like something for everyone who shows up. I mean, she's a brilliant booker. Um and so I'm the op- I'm the feature, uh, and you know, so I'm doing a half hour in front of Will Durst. There's clearly like I'm crushing Julia, like especially for those you know people who drove across the bridge to just see whatever comedian. I have a handful of fans there that specifically came to see me. Um, but you can see there's like a chunk of blue hairs, you know what I mean? Who are the, who are like, I'm doing fine with some of them love me, uh, but they're there for will. And that's totally chill. Um, but there's one man who's, uh, kind of towards the front. He's not, I'm not even blue hair, like uh, has white of hair and skin, as you can imagine. Um, I mean, he's the whitest person I've ever seen. He's wearing a cashmere sweater, you know, that I think was like mm. pink or peach, maybe mm-hmm. peach with a collar coming out. I mean, he looks like if you said, like, draw a rich white man, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, like I'm surprised he didn't have an ascot. Um, uh-huh. And he's with someone that I assume to be his wife and daughter, a uh, table of three people. And he's just, oh, giving me nothing. Arms crossed. There's always these people, too. And. This is what, like, we talked about the toughness that comes with comedy. Like, at some point, you have to be like, maybe I'm not for you. Maybe you don't like my comedy. Maybe you're a fucking misogynist and there's nothing I could have done, you know, because that's always a factor. Um, Yeah. And often, you know this, like, you can win them over. Like, you see those guys when you get on stage and then 10 minutes in, they're they're disarmed and they're like, I guess women can be funny, you know? Yeah. (laughs) This guy was... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what's so funny about those people is like, I've been to plenty, I've seen plenty of comics that I don't find funny. I keep my hands on my lap. I smile. Mm-hmm. You know, I, or at least I just don't frown. It's it's the arms crossed frowning 
Yes. That is just, it's like, you don't have to, it's okay if you don't think I'm funny. You're not, you know, not everyone's going to, but to be so like, I hate you is so Mm -hmm. weird. And it was pointed and it was intentional. And, and that's the thing is sometimes that's a passive process and you're like, whatever, this guy doesn't like me or he's decided, you know, from the second I got on stage, he wasn't going to pay attention. That's all fine. This guy was doing like, (laughs) I can describe it as, Passive aggressive body language. Um, but it was on purpose. He wanted me to know that he wasn't into it the whole time, mm-hmm. just by his body. Mm-hmm. Um and but literally, you know, with everyone else in the club, like I'm I'm doing so well. So it's not even a night that I can look back on and be like, well, I wasn't at my best or I was feeling emotional. I was feeling fucking great. This guy was just getting to me. And then uh and then, you know, I did what a lot of us do, which is well, I've trained myself out of this now because I think it's a little bit of amateurish, but I said, you know, I'm uh, whatever, I'm going to wrap up or I'll leave you guys on this, whatever the thing is that we say. At the time, I'm also saying it for the Will Durst fans of like, hey, guess what? Your guy's coming out, you know, uh-huh. I'm almost done. You can like, <laughs> thanks for your patience. You can hear about Trump now. Um, so I said, you know, I'll get out of here after this one or whatever. And then this guy goes, it's about time. Oh. (laughs) And when I tell you, I snapped. And I could see, I think that I might have been fully silent for like a complete 15 seconds. I was so like sort of cooking up like, which way am I going to go with this? I see the staff in the back because at the punchline, the bar is in the room. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they do it so well. It's like never a distraction. They're Mm -hmm. so fucking professional. You're so right. Yeah. (laughs) But I see it's all, I mean, in my mind, in the memory, it's like I saw booze freeze in midair, mid pour, you know? (laughs) The bartenders are like, ooh, let's see where this goes. Because they, they've also seen me do crowd work. They've seen me like, you know, fucking tear people down and whatever. And uh, they love it. And also, when you're a bartender in the room at a comedy club, you hear the same shit over and over. So if something spicy happens, you're like, okay, I'm, yep. I'm tuning in. Yes. So I'm silent. And then I just like start crying. <laughs> but also shitting on him. I, I was like... Fuck you. While you, you were rich. crying? Oh, yeah. You rich motherfucker. You fucking piece of shit. I was like, I know who you're here for. But guess what? This is my fucking dream. Like, and and I go, and by the way, they fucking love it. And I was like, I'm crushing, right, everybody? And then there's like huge applause. And they're like, fuck him. You know, those girls who are like, who cares? He sucks. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that wait, old guy. Wait, so you, when you say it was a Trump crowd, they were pro-Trump or anti-Trump? Anti-Trump. Yeah. Okay. So Will is like very liberal political comedian. Okay. But this is the thing, and this is part of how I tore into him. I'm like, you fucking hypocritical motherfucker. You you probably drove here from your like craftsman home in Berkeley, and in your mind, you're like really progressive. You came to see Will Durst. You fucking voted for Obama twice, but you're a misogynist piece of shit because the second I got up here, you decided you were going to hate me no matter what came out of your mouth. And this is a fu- – I was like – these rich Bay Area hypocrites. And I'm from there, by the way. (laughs) Then that is a type of guy who's like, you know, I love Bernie Sanders, but I fucking hate women. I mean, we all know. Oh, yeah. We have the Internet. (laughs) Yeah, we see them on Twitter. (laughs) But old, you know, that I'm like, you probably fucking we were a hippie. You fucking marched. And now you're just a rich piece of shit who can't even like politely enjoy a a woman doing comedy like and you think that you're in charge of this situation and people are like losing it like aren't they're not sure if I'm okay because I'm saying all this through tears oh my god I mean and you've never (laughs) cried on stage before no and I can see Kyle the manager like do I do something? Should I shut this down? And there's people laughing and clapping, but they're like, not sure if they should laugh. And so at some point mid rant, I was like, by the way, I'm okay. Like you, you know, <laughs> you can laugh at this stuff. What is it that you think made you cry? Oh, well, this is what also I said to him. Uh, Cause I was like, 
I don't know why I said out loud, I don't know why this is affecting me so much. Like your disdain for me. And I shouldn't be saying any of this out loud, but yeah, I have fucking daddy issues. Okay. <laughs> oh my, it just like triggered. Well, also 2017. <laughs> I mean, tw- you know, there's always been misogyny, obviously in the world, but I do think 2016, 2017, the, the 2016 to, to 2020 era really like highlighted it to an unescapable degree. Yes. And so I think, and the hypocrisy was so highlighted too that, I mean, I imagine that was part of it as well of just like, all right, I know fucking guys, a lot of men hate women, but like how much can you take? Yeah. That, that, I mean, they hate them so much that they, many of them, who were previously Democrats chose Trump <laughs> over voting for one. Um, but, you know, yeah. So I'm like, yeah, my dad died when I was nine. And I you said this on stage uh, on stage through tears. <laughs> At this point, the bartenders are laughing because they're like, oh, she just something cracked open. <laughs> wow. um, I'm like. I don't want to care this much about your fucking approval, but I do. And and I don't know why it affected me so much, but fuck you. Because you know what? You knew that you had that power over me and you fucking used it. And if you were a Trump voting piece of shit, then I could be like, okay, fine. Like I could write it off. But because you came here to fucking hear, uh, uh, Will is also listening at this point. And he's like, he's like, yep, those are my fans. You know what I mean? Um, it was just okay, so the this is the story turns around um in the most beautiful fucking way. Everyone's uncomfortable, kind of laughing, but then I'm like, all right, guys, don't worry, I'm not gonna like leave you like this. Like, I'll tell another joke. Can I tell another joke? And then everyone goes nuts, and then like the joke closer crushes, and the whole room's on my side. Um, I think there was some lady in front at some point who was like lay off him or whatever and I was like fuck that he's been laying into me with his body language for a full half hour you know I'm not gonna lay off him he's an asshole and also don't yell out something like that if you don't want me to do like yeah and did he respond he said like he was so nervous that at some point he was like I'm just here to see Will and I think that was our only sort of reciprocal interaction and I was like no fucking shit you're here to see Will but guess what I traveled up here from LA or whatever like down from Portland can't remember where I was living at the time and like you know what am I making fucking $500 for the weekend I'm like just it's 30 minutes of your life to listen to a young woman live her dream like is that you know so, so the show is, go to the bathroom for a half hour if you must. Exactly. Yeah. Even look at your phone. I don't care. I mean, don't do that in clubs, but like there's yeah. a subtle way you can do it. Um, I mean, I don't think this guy had a phone cause he was 90, but so the show ends and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people coming to, I sold a lot of merch that night. I'll tell yeah. you that. <laughs> people are coming by and they're like, are you okay? You know, the whole staff checks in and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm okay. I mean, at this point, I think it's really funny that, that happened here and I wish I had been recording. Um, and also the crowd work of me berating him crushed, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. was, it was funny. It is one- really fun to like, as much as I hate a heckler or an asshole every now and then it is a gift. Yes. If you feel like the power dynamic is such that it's okay for you to do. Yes. The problem with women comedians, and this is just a little, uh, <laughs> the problem with women comedians, it's a yeah. little detour, but they're too o- mouthy. <laughs> <laughs> Our hecklers are often like drunk. Yes. White women who think they're being supportive. And so it's a little bit hard to lay into them all the time. But when it's a drunk white man, oh. like one of my, I mean, I, I'll be like, I hope you die on the way home. I've yeah. said that to a man. <laughs> there, there was one that I had in Boston when I was headlining for like one of the first times ever at this now closed club called Motley's. And I don't remember what the guy said, but he just like kept interrupting. And I just, I think I did like 15 minutes mm-hmm. of just like tearing him and every like fratty dude 
in the world down. And it was like, applause, 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 applause. Yeah. And it was, and it, it was like, I, I mean, I was going in directions that had nothing to do with him. And I'm like, and then in high school, you know, and it's like, Absolutely. you just get all your rage out and all the women are like, we love you, you go girl, you know, and it's, yep. it is very fun at times. But anyway, so you saw all this merch and people are coming to see if you're people okay. Are coming, I'm okay. They're like, that was really interesting. You know, they're like, <laughs> I'll never forget this night, which is honestly, I'm like, that's a good comedy show. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like I, you know, I had given them a good show before that. So if it had been my whole time, that'd be a little bit weird. But they're like, this was a ride, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his daughter comes up to me and she's like waiting outside. And I'm like, you know, I have that heart beating moment where even if you've kind of kicked off a conflict, you just get nervous, you know? Yeah, of course. Oh God, I have to like talk to someone about this. And so I see her like waiting till everyone clears out and I'm like, oh, she's going to be mad at me. And like, uh, I just don't want to deal with this right now because I don't feel like I was wrong. But also, you know, it's her dad. And so she comes up and she was like, thank you so much for doing that. My dad's a fucking asshole. (gasps) Wow. has never, she was like, I'm a doctor and he's never said like, I'm proud of you. And I did exactly the job he wanted me to do. And like, he just, he, I mean, she goes into it. She's like, he didn't come to my fucking games. He's just <gasps> a piece of shit. He's shitty to my mom. He hates women so much. And everything you said was true. He's like this faux, you know, progressive man who fucking despises women. And he's been shitting me my whole life. And that was the greatest moment I will ever have. <laughs> Holy shit. And we hugged and I was like, girl, this made it all worth it. And I tell the staff after and they're like, that's fucking awesome, dude. Oh, wow. And all from, I mean, I love, I don't think I've ever seen anyone cry on stage. Like, I wish I could have seen this all go down. Because like yelling at someone in the audience is already impressive and memorable enough. But to Mm -hmm. add the waterworks... I really wish I had a tape of it. I mean, I was fully unhinged, but also in this weird groove where, you know, it's like sometimes you have a relationship fight and you can be crying a lot, but you're also very clear in your words and intentions. And you're like, no, this is what is fucked up about that. Like, yeah, you can do both. Well, when I ask people to do the podcast, they're always like, I don't really what, what like sometimes people get a little because it's like breakdowns and breakthroughs. And I mm-hmm. talk about this sort of notion of like, it's like, you know, a hypo, uh, you know, figuratively cutting bangs or, or literally whatever someone's story is. But like, I really do believe that in every breakdown, at least for myself, like there's always been a huge, you can't go through any sort of breakdown or outburst without learning something or gaining something or having a change happen in you. Like it's not all those times I've cried in the parks, you mm-hmm. know, all, <laughs> all 77 public parks in New uh-huh. York city, something occurred that then led to the next whatever chapter or realization or, yeah. you know, like that's, that's often a big crying thing is like, it's, it's really just a release. It's not always a, and I think that's, what's so sad about, you know, you're saying about men, you know, I think I think it's getting better. But the reason why men aren't taught to cry is because it's a sign of weakness. But I actually think it's one of the most powerful things you can do is to let people see you cry. I mean, do you know how ugly I am when I cry? The faces <laughs> I, know, I make too. when I cry and come are the ugliest. And <laughs> it's when I'm my most free, you know? Uh- <laughs> totally. Yeah. And you, yeah, I, I definitely ugly cry. And I also like, and that, And usually, or often if I'm really that emotional, I don't have this clarity of thought. So I, it was very exhilarating to be in this Mm. moment of like, I, I know that I appear unhinged, but I also feel very clear about why I'm angry. And I think there was a breakthrough after because I was like, you know, if my career ends up being that I really am here to, um, uplift women and perform for women, that's fucking fine. And so the next time if there's, you know, some dude like that who just doesn't want to hear me <laughs> be a fully formed woman, mm-hmm. like I have to let it go. But I was also processing, you know, totally processing the election, 
totally processing probably some of my own relationship and then of course like my dad's stuff um yeah and just doing what you know 10 years ago amy would think i mean 10 plus years ago pre-comedy amy would never have spoken to a group of people you know so it's like mm-hmm. i'm like i just did what younger me would have imagined mm. to be the most embarrassing mortifying horrible thing someone could do publicly and i feel fine and oh, that's huge that is huge i don't know if any teenagers listen to this but <laughs> all i can say i i wish i knew i Teenager, wish I, I mean 25 year olds like uh, I, I wish younger me knew to that it was okay to be the way I am currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, of course. Like this super, I'm super sensitive. I'm super emotional. I I, I talk a lot. Like all, I'm, like all the things that I thought were like annoying and weak when I was younger. Exactly like you said, like in my 20s and below. It's like I younger me would never would be so impressed with older me. And I think that's such a beautiful sentiment that you just said. I think that's that's great. And uh, yeah, and it's it, and it's the sickness of our industry too that we, you know, we worship like a a Bill Burr, you know, like a like a fifty two year old man or whatever who's like totally set in his um, point of view and his opinions, and you know, has also like strangely, I shouldn't say strangely, but like gotten hotter because you know he has money, and so it's like we we praise that so much. Like this guy really has a point of view, but when women get to that age, then we're like too old for the industry. Oh, it's like they want us like 25, partially I think cause not just to them. We're like quote unquote hot or whatever, but because we're easier to control and like oh, yeah. we'll take more feedback and be easier to manipulate in men in all of the ways that you can imagine, not just professionally, but of course, sexually and whatever, um, you know, you can pay us less and we won't say anything and you can like, you know, treat us like shit and we'll be like, just thank you for the job. And like, once you get, you know, older, you get so much funnier, you know, and on stage you can have these really free moments where you're a hundred percent authentic in yourself, which is what we all in theory want out of comedians and I do think fans want that out of comedians, but the industry does not want to give us work anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's also, you know, it's a what you were saying about like you, you know, you cried because you were so angry. Like I I am somebody who it it sucks because when I've told people off in my life, I have often cried while mm-hmm. it was happening. Like I remember in, in high school, like when you were telling your story, I just got brought back to is a very stupid situation. But like this girl wrote on my locker, she called me Beetlejuice, which like isn't even that big of an insult, but she was just being a cunt. Rules. <laughs> I know, but it was like she was calling me pale and mm. I'm like very Italian and olive and gorgeous. And I was like, how dare you? And she, that she was like walking away from the locker area with a marker in her hand. So like I caught her and we started arguing in the hall. She thought I was like flirting with the guy she liked, which like I didn't know how to flirt when I was a teen. Like, trust me. Anyways, so we started yelling at each other and I started crying while I was yelling. And then she was like, oh, are you scared? Oh, you being a baby? And then people started laughing. And I was like, fuck, fucking shit. Like, I actually felt very tough in that moment, but I just got so emotional. Mm -hmm. I mean, I cry all the time when I'm laughing. Yeah. Oh my god, I cry I cry laugh so much, especially if I'm super high. I will like start I will like look like a crazy person. It'll look like I'm having a complete breakdown, but I'm just actually having the time of my life. So. 100%. Or if you're in really bad pain, like sometimes I'll stub my toe and then just like start laughing cuz Yeah. <laughs> hey, like the endorphins make it hurt less, but it's also just like so funny like Oh yeah. How am I 40 and just still stubbing my toe on things? Like, you're supposed to learn this lesson young, right? Like, you do it a couple times, you should stop for the rest of your life. Like, it's just absurd. Well, I will say this about age, because I do think it's an important thing, and and then we can wrap this up. But, like, you know, it is a bummer that that's the way the world works. But I also think back to younger me, and younger me would have never been able to handle, like, a – half the things that have been professionally and personally that I've, I've experienced in the last 10 years. So like, 
I don't know. It w- no, it but w- that's sort of the point because that's yeah. why so many women quit comedy early. And I mean, we all ha- can think of these women that we started with that were so funny and so talented and hot as we all enjoy. And like, you know, didn't get out of the first year of stand up just because of the bullshit. And oh, you're yeah, like, I quit. I quit three times. Yeah, I quit once. I think about quitting other times, but I did quit once for like a full year. I mean, to and be honest, I haven't been on stage in over a year, so I might have quit again. <laughs> well, this is a sort of a special <laughs> circumstance. But yeah, I mean, the thing is they shouldn't have to be that tough. It should yeah. just be more comfortable for them to do this. And then, you know, yeah, it's just it's just a shame um or make it tough for everyone. Like stand up is really hard, but then Yes, like still reward us for getting to, you know, it's, I mean, there's so many, I could go on about this forever because obviously I think about it every day since I turned 40 (laughs) and then people are like, stop saying it out loud and then it won't matter. And I'm like, yeah, but it does matter to me because I lived a whole 40 years of life, you know, like I started comedy at 30. I had like a few careers already anyway, but there's, it's not just emotions or aging. Like we can't, you know, no woman could have like the Louis, I mean, even pre him getting in trouble, like we can't be disgusting. You know what I mean? We can't just be like, like I'm 45 and I'm gross and I want to talk about my shit. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, like we can, but like people don't like it. They don't like to hear that stuff from women. And it's like, you know, Bill Burr's Monday morning fucking podcast, like a woman just screaming for an hour, like, in her 50s can you even picture that and then i just uh, i'm i just always tell people like seriously picture it like picture that person being super famous like being asked to host snl just like a mediocre looking 54 year old woman who screams you know it wouldn't happen i want it to happen like well maybe by the time you're 54 it will change yeah maybe i mean god for like the you know the jessica kersons of the world who uh I mean, speaking of Burr, he's like the person who brought her out into the spotlight and gave her a special. And it's and then he does these interviews where he's like, yeah, I just don't know where she's been. It's like, well, she's been crushing for decades, (laughs) but it's misogyny, which you contribute to. Do you know? Okay, no, whatever. Okay, this could go on forever. I'm sorry. (laughs) I might edit some of it out because I don't know if it really... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I want to talk to you about this we yeah. have to hang out in real life as soon i would as love that i want to look at your baby in real life. oh my god if you want to so come cool. over to our yard anytime oh yes i would love that love honestly it it's so well i mean i'll actually i'll stop recording and then we'll okay. talk for a second um <laughs> um well thank you so much for being on the pod thank um I, you i end every show with a a very important question for all my guests um should i get bangs um no okay great i don't think so okay that's fine have you had them before i have i, I mostly it's the straight across is when you know that i'm going through something i recently got like a little curtain ones which feels yeah that's cute yeah it's like a side you can't really even tell it just looks like some short hair in the front um i've had the straight across and yeah i think it was uh it didn't really work i've had the straight across and now i'm doing sort of more of like a fringe i guess situation my current hairspiration is um Christina Hendricks in it in Good Girls, where she mm. has just like medium length kind of wavy with bangs that aren't straight, straight across. And like when they grow out, you can do like a middle part. And anyway, I don't know. Follow me on Instagram at Amy Miller Comedy if you want to see my current hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you want to plug? Um, just my podcast, Who's Your God, which if you like to talk about emotions and all this breakdowns and breakthroughs, then you'll probably enjoy it. I love it. Amy, thank you. Thanks, Julia. Wow. Okay. So if it wasn't obvious from this episode and other episodes, and if you know my stand-up, and if you know me personally, and if you follow me online, pretty clear I love crying. Uh, I've always been a fan. I haven't always owned it. I haven't always been proud of it, but I am a proud crier. I think it's very healthy. I know it's healthy. In fact, there are a lot of health benefits from from crying. (laughs) I don't know why my tongue just got twisted on crying. Maybe because I said it 
500 times in the last two seconds. But uh, crying actually detoxifies your body. It clears debris from your eyes. It lubricates your eyes to protect them from infection. Um, it can release stress hormones from your body. It flushes things out of your system. Um, according to the internet, more research does to be, need to be done on these facts, but uh, I'm going to take them as true for right now because they support my theory that crying is good for you. And what is the point of Google if not to support your own personal theories? Uh, no, but they these things were written on a site called Healthline.com, and that's good enough for me. Um, <laughs> crying also uh, helps you self-soothe. It releases oxytocin and endorphins. So when you hurt yourself, you know, crying actually helps soothe the pain, which is really cool. Uh, crying can improve your mood. It, uh, it regulates and lowers the temperature of your brain, which is a very cool fact that I didn't know. It restores emotional balance. Um, and, you know, crying can help you sleep? Well, it helps babies sleep. So I'm going to go and share a fact that I just made up. So it's not a fact. It's yet another theory that I'm sure it helps grownups sleep too, because I don't know about you, but the few times, that's not true. The many times that I've cried myself to sleep, I passed out like so well after. So there's something to that. Maybe it's because I exhausted myself by hyperventilating crying. But whatever it is, listen, if you're crying a lot because you're feeling hopeless, go seek help. If you're crying a lot because you're in pain, go seek help. But if you are crying when you're feeling, that's totally cool. And if you haven't cried in a while, take this episode, take me right now as a sign to give you permission to inspire you to have a good cry. And after you do have that good cry, you can email me about it. I would love to hear about a good cry you had. I would love to hear about what makes you cry. Should I get bangspod at Gmail? Reach out. Also reach out if you're dealing with a big decision, uh, a breakdown, a dilemma, uh, a big breakthrough you've had. My sister, Elena, who is also a therapist, who's a guest often on the show, we want to do an upcoming episode where we answer your questions and comments. Uh, we will keep you anonymous on air. So reach out, should I get banks pod at Gmail? I would love to hear from you. And as always, if you enjoy the show, please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes or whatever app that you listen to it on. Let your friends know about the podcast, share it. That would mean so much. And it means so much that you listen. It truly does. I love doing the show. And I love if you love it. <laughs> All right. Did that make any sense? I don't know. This is when I know I need to wrap up the outro because I'm not sure what I'm saying anymore. Maybe I'm due for a cry. Maybe that's what's going on. Anywho, I will talk to you next week.